Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and join us today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have our marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We have the folks who help others build their businesses, and we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the levers. If you're one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, check us out on iTunes. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated. Helps us help more business creators just like you. Also, uh, be sure to subscribe. Fresh content is added every single week, and you will immediately have access to over 200 episodes on a broad and wide variety of topics that serve business creators just like you. For today, we have a kind of an interesting thing here. Uh, We've done a number of episodes on the topic of building your virtual team, uh, getting leverage for your time, those types of topics. This is something I do with my own clients as well. And I love these topics because we get so many great ideas and so many great inspirations on how we can be more effective in terms of our entrepreneurial and business creation ventures. So I saw this title that was uh, presented to us. And this is somebody who wanted to come on to Business Creators Radio Show and share with us how she went from working 100 hours a week, which is literally two and a half full-time jobs, just to do the math, going from 100 hours a week to just working five days a month, which, for to do the math, is one and a quarter days a week, while making more money. Her name is Nicole Wepp, N-I-C-O-L-E-W-I-P-P, and When I saw this, I knew I had to have her on the show. So let me just uh, tell you a little bit about Nicole before we dive in. Uh, Nicole is the founder and CEO of WIP Enterprises, LLC, a consulting and training firm that provides a range of leadership team creation, team building, and retention services to large companies and to the small business entrepreneur market as NicoleWIP.com. She also leads a highly successful boutique elder law firm. Uh, I've had clients in the elder law space that's great people. In these capacities, Nicole is a sought-after expert on numerous topics related to building successful businesses through powerful teams. She's spoken on numerous stages nationwide as a frequent guest on top podcasts, and now is on the Business Creators Radio Show, and has authored a number one best-selling book. Whip Enterprises is a Colby Certified Solutions Provider and is certified as a women's business enterprise by the Women's Business Enterprise National Council, known as the WBENC. Nicole, come on in. The weather's fine. Welcome aboard. Thank you for having me. Okay. What I'd like to do here uh, before we dive into our uh, primary topic is for our listeners who are just now getting a chance to know you and may be opening a separate browser tab right now trying to learn more about you while they tune into this broadcast, uh, what I'd like to do is just ask you, tell us a little bit more about your personal journey um, or your or your personal travels uh, as an entrepreneur. What has brought you to the point where you are today as serving business creators from the intersection of your brilliance and passion? I read off a very impressive bio, but let's hear a little bit about Nicole and what's brought her here. Well, you, I started off um, in my entrepreneurial career 
sort of in the way that a lot of people do. I tried to work for another company. I tried to work and, you know, have a real job, as we like to say. Um, and I did pretty well, but it just wasn't for me. And so I spent, um, you know, over the years I've started new, numerous businesses. I probably start, started at least 15 different businesses since I graduated from college. And every single business has just been the, the genesis of an idea, um, something that, you know, I felt like compelled to try out and try out as a business. Some of them succeeded really amazingly, and, of course, some of them failed. And some of them, to be frank, I got bored with. So right. over the years, I just started doing this, but I finally decided to settle down and have a big girl job and become a lawyer. But that was probably one of the biggest mistakes I could have made in some ways because you are never more chained to your job than you are as a lawyer. Um, and I used to work 100, hour, you know, 100 hours a week. It was crazy. But I realized that I could not go on like that. You know, I had a very successful law firm. I could not go on working that much. And so that's sort of what was the genesis of me starting this consulting and training business because I went through a whole journey about how to quit working that 100 hours a week and a whole journey with teams and, you know, good, bad, and ugly, and finally got to where I am now, where I only have to work five days a month in that company. Great. Great. So I'm really excited to hear about this, uh, how we got from 100 hours a week to five days a month, because I know people that are putting in about 100 hours a week, and that can be very debilitating because it drains everything that you have. Uh, so let's start from the bottom and work our way up. So when uh, you're in the process of team building, because we gather that part of what's enabled you to make this transition is developing a team. Uh, what are some of the pitfalls do you see companies make? Well, I think there's so many things, but the primary things really are, especially for entrepreneurs, um, that, you know, there is a big divide between being a really great entrepreneur that knows how to make money you know what you're doing, you know your business, you know your product, you know your service, and being the leader of a great team. They're, it's two totally different skill sets. Um, but I think what happens, and this happens in both corporate and in entrepreneurial businesses, is that people just sort of take the people part of their business for granted and don't spend the time and don't make the effort to really get it down and make it solid. And so they, you know, one of the biggest problems in all companies, regardless of sizes, is people problems. And so, you know, just taking it for granted is probably one of the very biggest things, I would say. And then the right. second is just the way in which people hire. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, 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 with all, so with all that, um, you know, one of the things I've noticed is that uh, you know people go out and they get this idea that they want to move from solopreneur to having a leveraged business. So somebody will say, well, yeah, you, you, know, you should have one person to do the website, one person to do the social media, one person to do the books. And they'll just go out and they'll say, okay, well, uh, I was told I need to hire these five people. And uh, so I hired them. And I'm still not leveraged. What's missing here? <laughs> Well, part of it, and probably the very biggest thing, is for entrepreneurs, especially people that have been you know, really doing the grind, the hustle, as they call it in the entrepreneurial world, um, you know, the, the thing is, is you shouldn't just go out and hire the way other people tell you. Like how you said, you know, it can't be like, oh, you need a bookkeeper, you need a social media person, and you need this. 
the very first hire that every entrepreneur needs to make is the hire that takes off the entrepreneur's plate the things that grind them down and energetically. So, for example, right. yeah, you know, you know what I mean. So we intuitively know what that means, right? But like for example, oh, yeah. if you're an idea person and you really like to try a bunch of new things, which a lot of entrepreneurs are, to do the day-to-day follow through every single day, have to get these things done tasks can be the total grind. And that's the first person that needs to be hired because you need to free up your energy. Right. And it might not be like you, the person that you might need though, might not be the same person that I need. And so that's the big mistake about listening to what other people tell you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like for, like for example, like like somebody says, uh, well, you really shouldn't be answering your own receipts. You really should have a bookkeeper. But what if that's not really the thing that vexes the entrepreneur? Maybe they have 95% of this stuff set up electronically uh, with almost all of it uh, going automatically into QuickBooks. Uh, to me, uh, that sounds like a bookkeeper might not be their number one priority. Just an observation. Right. right. Or, you know, like for some entrepreneurs, doing the books is comforting to them. Like, knowing right. and having a handle on it, and they don't feel dragged down by doing it. it. It's a source of comfort. Sometimes it's just even a source of energy is being able to see those ener- those numbers in front of you. So if that's the truth, that's, then what are the things that don't make you feel that way? So it might be the books for some of us, but it might be answering the phone for somebody else, and it might be, you know, following up the emails or whatever it is, right? Um, right. Those are the things that we need to think about first. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very, yeah, very, very much so. Um, you know, I uh, had a client. This was years and years and years and years ago. And uh, he, uh, the advice people gave him all the time. Uh, they, they were surprised to find out that he. Uh, this was before the days when WordPress was like a real website thing, and we were still using uh, HTML and CSS and all that other stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. people would say, and people would say to him, "Why do you format your own sales letters?" Why, why, are you, why are you doing that? Uh, no, 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 no. You're the business owner. You're not some web designer. Uh, you uh, need to be – you need to hire somebody to do that formatting for you. You give them a Word document, and then they format it. And you know what? True to form, he tried it, and it just didn't work for him. The reason being is his creativity in being a copywriter was stimulated by the process of seeing the web page come to life right in front of him. So exactly. He, yeah. So he just simply said, so so the way he rationalized it, and I agreed with this when he explained it to me, is what really is the difference between me inputting it into a Word document versus inputting it into Dreamweaver? Really, what is the difference? Exactly. And, that and that's, a, yeah, that's a great example. I mean, it's so, so it's like taking other people's ideas about how you should be doing things is not always the best thing to do, right? That's a great example of it. Right. But that same guy doesn't even use email. <laughs> yeah. Right. So maybe email was the thing that drug him down and he needed an assistant that went through his email and made sure that everything was responded to appropriately. Well, yeah, it, it, go, it goes beyond that. Um, I mean, because I've learned more about his success habits and he's kind of a big name too. So uh, now the way it was related to, related to me, the way he's doing this is most of his one-on-one communications are through a Facebook group. And if you're somebody who he's talking to every day, you're in his Facebook group, and that's how you get a hold of him. 
Um, anything that is not something that would be communicated through that Facebook group is something where uh, it would be an administrative task, and that's where his business manager handles it. So yeah. uh, he does not see email, and if something comes into email that he needs to see, they bring it to him, and he tells them how to reply. Because his Achilles heel was getting bogged down in email. He just didn't want to see it. But uh, the less he's getting bogged down in email, the more he's creating great sales letters. So to me, that's leverage. Absolutely. And that's a great, you know, that scenario right there is perfect for him. But certainly everybody that would be listening to this is not necessarily going to be perfect for them. And that's, I think, one of the biggest problems that we have right now, especially with the online world and, um, you know, even like things like podcasts and things like that, where we're hearing a lot of great ideas from other people. And because they might be successful, because we might admire them, we think, well, if they do it this way, I have to do it that way. And this is about a lot of things. But it's not true all the time, and it certainly is not true in this idea of building your team. Right. I couldn't couldn't agree more. So so what got you started with this? I mean, here you are, you're working 100 hours a week, uh, things are going crazy. So what you got, got you started with this idea of uh, teams and, and uh, being empowered to do all that stuff? Well, I, um, you know, I was working 100 hours a week, and the idea for me was that I had to do all the things because I was a control freak and I was a perfectionist and it had to be the way I wanted it. And I'm sure uh-huh. some people can relate to that, right? Um, and but I started to realize at one point, you know, this is this can't go on forever. Like I cannot do this my entire career. And not only right. that, but um, then I got pregnant and had a baby, and my husband was like, "This is not happening anymore. You know, you need to go work at a fast food restaurant and not be doing this." And you know, he was sort of being tongue in cheek, and not like there's anything wrong with that. But he just was sort of like, "You need to do something that doesn't entail you working all this time." And so for me, I was like, well, it's silly. You know, I have a great business. I need to figure it out. I'm going to bring on team. But you know what happened, and I think, you know, this happens to so many of us, is I started bringing on team members, and it was a total disaster. Um, You know, I I would say things all the time to myself, and, you know, can you relate to this? Um, You know, why do I have to babysit these people? Why don't they get it? And what is the problem? Uh I don't understand why this is so hard. This isn't so hard. What's your part? You know, I was going through all of them. Right. And it was a source of so much anxiety to me in the beginning. Um, for a long time, yeah. actually. So much anxiety. So much anxiety. And I got to a point that I was like, it's not even worth it having these people. Like, they're more, they're adding more work <laughs> onto me. Right? right. And so, um, but one of the things, I don't remember exactly what happened to cause this epiphany. Um, but I had a little bit of an epiphany at some point, and it was this, that maybe the problem wasn't really them. The problem was me. Okay. And when I finally was able to even, first of all, even think about that, and then second, like really be able to internalize it and, and accept that it might be true, um, then I was able to go out and figure out the ways in which I could change to be a better leader of my team. So that was sort of what started the process. Um, and, you know, it went on for a while, and I, and I did a bunch of things, and I learned a bunch of things. And over the years, then ultimately what happened was I did have this great team, and I knew I had it 
because um, in 2015, I got diagnosed with a rare lung disease, and I was in a hospital for over 30 days, and I was out of my company for 90 days. And yet, we went on that year to be more profitable than we ever had before. Wow. And so, you know, you touch, you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, so I just, like, so I, I always tell people, like, when you think about this, if, if you had to completely be out of your business for 30, much less 90 days, would it survive? And for most of us, the answer is no, right? And right. so what does that look like? I mean, I hope nobody has the experience that I did. But even if you want to go away for two weeks on a vacation and not have anything to do with your business, these things are important. That's very true. And, you know, I think a lot of people struggle with that. And, uh, you know, you touched on something that was going to be my next question. And this is something where I see a lot of people need assistance. And this is something that I do with my clients. And sometimes it's something I have to do unto my clients because, uh, especially in the early days of the relationship, uh, they may have struggles with how to outsource and work with a consultant uh, or someone or a strategist like me. And, uh, mm-hmm. here's, and here's, one, here's one example of it is people say, okay, well, I've gone out and I've done what they told me to do. I've hired the team. So why do I have to talk to these people? I mean, th- I mean, why why do I have to explain stuff to them? Shouldn't they just know? I was told they were these big experts who could handle anything. So why is it that uh, I asked them for a draft of something and the draft wasn't what I wanted? I don't have time to train these people. What's up with this? <laughs> right. You're laughing, so you get it. You get it. No, so totally. tell me yeah. what's happening. I'm sorry. You you're laughing, so I think you get it at some level. So, oh, so yeah. tell so tell I mean, me so tell me where everybody. we go from there. So okay, there's a couple really related issues to that, and part of it is so many entrepreneurs do not have the right type of process and workflow in their business for somebody to be able to be a successful team member for them. So that's one of the the biggest underlying issues related to team members is that from a very basic standpoint, entrepreneurs are usually horrible at creating dramatic and robust workflows that their team has to be accountable to and provide provide Uh quality control and specificity about what is required to get things done in the way that you expect them to be done. So that's the, like from the underlying standpoint. But then secondly, right. we also on some level apparently expect people to read our minds. Yeah. And then thirdly, um, we often hire the wrong people to do the job. And right. what I mean by that is, you know, just as much as it's important for you to understand your own energetic needs and the things that drain you, like if I'm going to hire somebody to do the thing that drains me the most, I cannot hire somebody that's like me. Right. I have to hire somebody that gets energy from doing the process. But, um, you know, the problem, of course, is very few of us are very self-aware, and certainly the people that we try to hire don't have a lot of self-awareness around this. And so it just becomes a big disaster. Uh-huh. Because if I call somebody, if I if I have somebody sitting in front of me in, a, in an interview, and I have their resume and it looks all nice and pretty and it seems great and I, I really like you, you're a really cool person, I think I can get along with you. But what these two things don't tell me, though, is whether that person is hardwired to take action in the way that 
is going to be right for that job. So I am not yeah. hired, hardwired to do system and process. But if somebody told me, if I was sitting in an interview, would I ever say to somebody, I can't get the job done? Would I ever say that no. in an interview? No, of course not. Because guess what? I'm also a motivated, high-performing person. So I would think that, of course, I can get the job done. It's not even that I'm trying to lie. But that is not my where my energy flows. And so right. I will be a failure at that job. So it's sort of like, and so if you think about that from your own perspective, just think about it from these people. They're not even necessarily trying to lie to you. They just don't have the self-awareness. Okay. So it's like how, so a lot of the stuff that we work with um, people on is how to actually get to that. Like how do you discover those things and how do you figure out who's the right person for the job and then how do you figure out whether the person not only meets the, intellectual or functional court requirements of the job and then the personality requirements and then also meets the energetic requirements of the job. All of those things are essential. And I think that that third component, the energetic requirements of the job, is the thing that most of the time we're missing in the hiring process. Yeah, and you, and you know what I think, you know what I think I've noticed too is that uh, sometimes you have the person who's trying to be hired or who's trying to have their company be part of what you do is one of your outsource agencies and they themselves are not in the right place. And I'm going to give you an example of somebody I know who was in that situation previously, the guy I see in the mirror every morning. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I had decided this business I used to own that I closed in 2010. My accountant thought I was crazy until he saw my margins go up, and then he thought I was a genius. But, uh, well, I don't think he'd ever admit I was a genius. He uh, tends to pick on me a lot. But uh, that's okay because he's the best accountant ever. He's allowed to. Uh, and what's really great about him is I don't have the patience or even the fi or even the mental faculty to understand numbers. Not only does he keep all my taxes and all my investments and everything in perfect line, but he can explain this stuff to me in a way that I can understand. So he's allowed to pick mm -hmm. on me. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, that would be an example of somebody with the uh, with the right who's in the right place. So the the CPA that I work with is somebody who just loves playing with numbers. I mean, he gets off on it. It's like it's like exactly. it's like the thing that wakes him up in the morning. And if you don't have that in your CPA, you don't have that in the person who's managing, your, you know, helping you manage your money, helping you manage your cash flows, helping you with your tax planning because you got to be smart and you got to be do, doing tax planning because that's what we do. We do tax planning. If they're if they don't if they if that's not something that they can do, they're so excited about they can jump out of bed at five o'clock in the morning without an alarm clock and dive right into it before breakfast. Then you got the wrong person. And that's okay. That's perfectly okay because you just got to find that right person. Uh, let me give you another example. Uh, and so well, before I go back to that, so when I found myself in that situation, what I realized is, okay, got to change businesses. So I did it. Now I have stuff that I, I have a business and I have a lifestyle that I enjoy a heck of a lot more, and I'm working on some new things that are pretty exciting. Now here's another thing that I'm really bad at is uh, – uh, I'm not going to remember to call back if for, one, for one thing. And I find mm -hmm. myself under absolutely no imperative to ever answer an email within a reasonable standard of time uh, that other people might find reasonable. It's like, I'll answer it when I get to it. So now that I've just come right out and said that, how do you work effectively with Adam? There's a couple things. Uh, if you go to my website uh, for the Business Creators Institute, you'll find that there is a page on that website where um, literally anybody off the street can walk in and pencil themselves in for an appointment. Anybody can do it. You just got to give me your particulars. You got to tell me what you want to talk about. 
and then uh, select the time. Uh, you have access to the availabilities on my calendar. Select something that's mutual. And as long as I have that information, I'll just show up. Yeah. That's one thing. Great. And another thing is I have an assistant who uh, I've given the power to tell me what to do because Lord knows I need it. But those yeah, are things that thing. stress me that's out. Th things thing. that stress me out are the qu questions like, well, when are you available or when can you talk? It's like, I don't know. I print out my schedule in the morning and I go by it. I don't, I don't even want to have this conversation because I spend, I put so much energy into managing my availabilities when I'm available, when I'm not available. I don't even want to have the conversation. Just go look and put yourself in. So I created a technological path that accommodates that. And sometimes I need help staying in line with things that are, you know, more tasky, you know, and that's, uh, and that's where I have a great person in my business who uh, aids me with that because they and, – and they love doing that stuff. I mean, I think, I think she gets a kick off pushing me around sometimes. And she hears this, so I hope she's laughing. And knowing her sense of humor, she's uh, probably going to be hitting me with a newspaper here sometime soon, but what have you. But the point is, not having that type of stuff, not having somebody who can keep me on the path sometimes, not having the ability to not have to worrying about uh, how people get on my schedule – Taking that stress off is my type of outsourcing, and that frees me up, so I work a lot less hours a week just off those two things. Right, and it gives you freedom and the space to do the things that you do best instead of those types of things. Right. I mean, I'm the way my assistant manages my calendar for both my companies, um, so I don't ever think about what my schedule is. The same thing because that's not information that I want to keep in my brain or even take up the headspace for. And so, yeah, that's the question is what do you not want to take the headspace up for? But conversely, like how you said with your assistant, it's really important to have somebody that really has as much energy toward doing the things that you need them to do as you have toward the things that you need to do. And that's how I went to only working five days a month because now I only do the things that only I can do and that I do best and, oh, by the way, the things that give me energy. Everything else is done by somebody else. And we keep making more and more money every single year, every single month sometimes, um, just because I have the right people doing the right things, including myself. Right. So let me tell you, so let me, uh, tell you a, a little bit of something else here. And this is, uh, and I think this illustrates the point. Um, you know, people get excited because, oh, I'm, you know, they find a way they're going to be on Oprah, for instance, uh, you know, the whole Oprah thing, or they find mm -hmm. themselves, they find they're going to have the opportunity to be interviewed by, you know, pick your pleasure of whatever news network. I'm not going to start naming names here so that people can wonder which side I lean on or anything like that. But you get the idea that there's some personality that you would love to be interviewed by. And you think you're going to get on there and you're going to yuck it up with them or become best friends. Let me tell you how it looks from that interviewer's perspective. They are the star of their show. They don't know who you are usually. Usually they don't really know who you are until they read the notes about you before they record that episode. And uh, when you're walked into the interview space, they're going to be basically just sitting there waiting for you. They'll shake your hand, they'll sit you down, and they're going to have the questions they're going to run through. It is very similar to that on the Business Creators Radio Show. In order to be accepted as a guest on the Business Creators Radio Show, and you – have a, a really great guy who helped you with this. He's fantastic. He's, he's, we love working with him uh, and because uh, he gets our process. We have the guests submit the information that they want to be interviewed on because 
part of this is about helping me shine the light on your brilliance and passion. So I got to know what your topic is and what you want me to ask you. And if there's anything off limits, and I got to know, you know, what you want to be said about you, what you know, what you're going to offer, things like that. Uh, I have an automated process to collect that information, and the same with getting you booked to, uh, you know, for uh, for the Tuesday that you're going to be on our show, and we do the shows on Tuesdays. Uh, we got to know, um, we got to, you know, identify the one you're going to be on, so you dial in at the right time. This is all automated. So I don't have to worry about it. And my assistant intervenes if necessary if the train falls off the tracks for whatever reason. Very rarely does. So my involvement in the, in the Business Creators Radio Show is I show up to do the interviews. I mean, you, I had already researched you, but sometimes I don't research. I just look at the notes and I can jump in. And it's like we've known each other for years because I have that level of control over my information inflow that I can get to know somebody very quickly if I'm given the right information. I'm just telling you how it is. And this is how it is in major media too. And then the other thing that I, and the other thing I do is uh, my relationships go out and uh, help to recruit guests. That's it. I, I, I come in for the interviews. I follow the script I'm given and uh, I may tweak it a little bit because uh, I know it works best for the show. And I'm out there looking for people I want to interview and inviting them. That's it. I don't even remember how the rest of it works. Right. So all of that, right, for you, for me, it's awesome. Like, we figured it out. We've been able to make it happen. You know, and, and there's a big difference, too, between, you know, if you have a type of business like yours where you can sort of set it up that way where everything's really automated, um, that's one thing. If you work in the people space um, where you're working directly with multiple clients that come into a physical space every single day, um, that's a whole different ball of wax for a lot of people, too, right? So, it sort of is, it's great, and that's the way you want it to be. That's the ultimate goal. How you get there is, can be, you know, is the whole part of the problematic journey that entrepreneurs are going through. Right. Very, very, very true that. Uh, so, again, we are, we're telling a little bit by example some of the challenges we run into and some of the different levels of thinking. Just because somebody says you need to hire A, B, C, D, and E, Maybe you don't need to hire A, B, C, D, and E. You've got to figure out what you want to get off your plate, what energetically takes away from what takes away from you energetically. So this is easy enough for a small business because, uh, you know, in my consulting, I deal with mostly small businesses because uh, oftentimes you get to know the entire team pretty quickly. And if things are working as they should be, they're usually a pretty tight-knit group. And you can get those synergies going once people you know, start to understand how everybody works and how everybody flows. But when you go into large companies, what do you see going on in larger companies and how do you help them? So a lot of times in larger companies, it's really there's no appreciation of the value of the differences that people bring to the table. And I actually think this is true even in a smaller entrepreneurial company. Um, but it's definitely true in larger companies where they're – is a massive value to the differences that people have. Um, but how do you even know what those differences are? How do you actually express value and express the, the thing? How do you know who to go to when you have a problem? So a lot of the training and consulting that we do with larger companies is around getting their team to be much more cohesive and productive through really having everybody on the team understand where the energetic differences of their team members are and how that brings value to them individually and then as a group. Right. Yeah. So uh, 
So again, what I'm gathering out of that, and tell me if I heard this correctly or not, is a lot of the principles remain the same. It's just a matter of scale. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the basic, the very, you know, if I was going to get super granular and say that the absolute baseline of what we do is really helping leaders bring out the best in both themselves and their team members. And so we want to be bringing out the best of ourselves individually. You know, we all want to be the best entrepreneur we can be, the best human, the best parent, the best spouse, whatever. Um, And then we also want, ideally, what we should be doing is also wanting that for the people that are on our team and for them to want it for each other. And that's when you have a team that is really like that, um, that's where productivity goes through the roof. You know, the average entrepreneur makes around $45,000. The average Fortune 500 has about $450,000 in profitability per employee. So the scaling aspects of team is immense if you know how to do it right. Yeah, very true. Very true. So uh, you know, one of the places where I spend some time is in the field of change management. Uh, we have some relationships with some organizations that are involved in the change management field. And uh, I think part of what you're doing kind of touches on that because you're looking to mm-hmm. get teams to work together more effectively. But there are issues, and anybody who's in change management will understand some of what I'm about to say. Uh, there's the issue of whether you have executive support, whether you have stakeholder buy-in, whether you have sponsorship, and uh, how you hit upon the resistance to change that's going to be innate in human beings. So what happens when you run into some of that stuff? Well, that's, I mean, right there you've hit to the core. Like the idea about change management, you know, we tend to think of that as like some big, you know, we have a corporate buyout or something or, you know, there's right. something going on like that. But if you think about it, change management is something that we really have to be thinking about every day. And because whenever there is change, and in an entrepreneurial company there is change, that is part of what being an entrepreneur is about, um, you have to be able to help your team come along with you. And part of it is understanding from a very fundamental level where the potential for conflict is going to arise and then how to be a leader that can lead people through that potential or that absolute conflict that will arise. And so that's a lot right. of the work that we're helping people do, too, is understand the conflict areas and how to manage them. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, sometimes if we, you know, if we want to talk a little bit more about change management here, it's not always a macro thing because when people hear the term change management, they're thinking, oh, we just had a buyout. Now we have to merge and assimilate the cultures, or we just spent $3 million on a new information system, and we need to revolve all of our policies and all of our procedures around accommodating this new system, or uh, they uh, just uh, find themselves on the short end of some major lawsuit, and there's been a lot of negative media publicity, so they have to do the work of rebuilding, and they use change management as the driver to make that happen. Change management is sometimes as simple as I'm remembering uh, when I used to work for an insurance company, and I was responsible for dealing with uh, contractual issues when it came to out-of-state providers uh, for for the members. And in order for those uh, contracts to complete, the people who did the care management and authorized the services had to submit a code so that it could be billed properly, or or rather so the provider could bill properly and receive their reimbursements. And Mm -hmm. 
my big transition was, and this uh, was, and this was really simple. Instead of using uh, random paper forms, we wanted everybody to do it by email. And we weren't even talking about a complex information system. It was open up a Microsoft Word template, fill in the blanks, and it was even programmed so you could tab to the blanks and just type it in, hit save, attach, send. Like, I, I mean, I, I went through the process of testing this. I even got a group together, and we tested how long it took to do that, and we had it timed at about uh, 90 seconds by the time we optimized the form and everything else. And... Uh, of course you got at least – and then we had this one person in care management who apparently uh, needed to get us a bunch of information so that a number of uh, out-of-network contracts could be processed. And he said, well, yeah, I know I owe those, but I'm not doing this email stuff. I'm only doing it on paper. Now, that one was very easily solved. I simply went to my director who had signed off on my initiative in the first place to move the thing over to email, and she told his director – that he needs to get his ass on that computer and fill out those electronic forms or else. Right. Sometimes it's that simple. And when you have the sponsorship and you have the buy-in from the corner office, which I had in spades on those initiatives, because they were very happy to speed up the, uh, the out-of-network process and make that to be less of a, a boondoggle for them. And my, and my process uh, cut the delivery time down by a third. Uh, they were happy to come up say, uh, no, you're doing it by email. There's no discussion here. Now, let me dissect that a little bit further. Was that really fair to him? Well, yes and no. So it's fair to him in the respect that all businesses are run on productivity or, and profitability, and on some level that's how it just is. So if this was a more productive, therefore more profitable way of doing things, then yes, it's fair to him. On the other hand, you know, we often have people that that is the way they are. They're what I would call right. the stabilizers of a business. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I need those people. Um, I'm the idea person, and I want to try new things. And a lot of my team members are people that are very status quo oriented. They like things the way they are. They're going to do things with the same level of quality time and time again, but they're not looking for change. And so when I want change, I can't just come at these people and be like, okay, it's time for change because they are going to resist me, and I hired them to be that way. So I can't suddenly get all angry at them if they're resisting me. Now, similarly, though, right. you know, that's part of being a good team leader, though, is when I hire people that are stabilizers, it's very clear what the rules of those types of things are going to be and how we're going to have communication around my need for change, and their need for stability. So, right. you know, that's what I mean about the yes and no about being fair to him. It's sort of right. different in a bigger company, but at the same time, the same lesson should be learned. Yeah, so, uh, you know, so as I look at it, um, I, when, you know, when I, when I see how he reacted to the idea of being expected to fill out those forms as email attachments, uh, it makes you wonder, for him to have the reaction of, well, I'm just not going to submit him. I'll let him come to me, and then I'll tell him I'm not doing it, which was completely out of character. Because this is somebody who, as you said, is very much a stabilizer. This is somebody who is really a star of the organization, somebody who I really liked personally and uh, and thought of as a friend and everything else and normally was just awesome. So what provoked that kind of reaction? 
And the only thing I could think of, and I don't have the answer to this, is in what way did he feel he was not being heard? Well, another thing about that is a lot of times, um, you know, especially people that are very idea-oriented, they don't like new ideas unless they're theirs. Okay. Right? That's interesting. Or they don't want to have their name on a product. So, for example, um, you know, if you are the type of person that you really like to have ideas and start businesses and start new things, um, part of the reason that you might be like that is because you like being able to make your mark on these things. Like it's part of your way of being creative and making your mark in the world, making a dent in the universe, right? And so like if I'm working with somebody, and this happens a lot in, in corporate settings where you have two leaders that might be like this, and they can't stand each other because they both want to be the person that makes the mark on the project or the idea. And oh, yeah. they get very frustrated because the other person saying, but no, but why don't we do it this way? And they're like, no, you know, I want to do it this way. Um, so it can either be somebody that's super stabilizer, just wanting to dig their heels in because it's new and nobody took the time to, like, get them on board to get that buy-in. Or it could be the person that's just like, I, this is, I have to make my mark, and I don't want your mark, and if I'm going to be involved with this, then it has to be my idea. Very, inter- very interesting. And, and again, uh, you know, going back to my example here, this was so out of character for this gentleman. So uh, I have, I mean, again, without having any further information and no way to go back and track this now, the only thing I could really possibly think of is that uh, there was some larger, some different issue where he felt, as you said, that he wanted to make a mark and he was being denied his opportunity to make the mark, so he thought he found a uh, a low-hanging fruit target. So he couldn't really take it out on the person you know, who probably outranked him, who was denying him the opportunity to make his mark. So he saw somebody else and he thought, well, this guy doesn't outrank me. I'll just I'll just take it out on him. And again, it wasn't even necessarily anything personal. It was might have been more processed than personal because he didn't come to me with any feeling of, you know, I hate you for making me do this and who the hell do you think you are? He was just saying, no, I'm going to do the paper. Right. And so think about that. Like In some way, then if, if we're going to accept it, that, that might have been what happened, which is entirely possible, then there's probably some failure in leadership that was not bringing him along in a way that was going to work for him because obviously, like you just said, this was a guy that that was out of character, so he was a valuable team member. Why did we want to create negative situations for valuable team members because we want to shove things down their throat, whatever that looks like. It's not necessarily your example. It could be any example. We want to have that buy-in that has cooperation, and so much of this is that's what this is about. Right. Right. And, uh, and you know, the more I think about this, the more there might have been something about maybe perhaps it was the, the overall process of dealing with uh, out-of-network providers that he felt he was being left out of at a different level. So this was just an easy way for him to let it be known that he wasn't exactly a happy camper here. Right. Right. And being reluctant to participate in, a, in an administrative process is a lot different than saying, well, no, I, I'm not going to do what I need to do so the patients get their care. 
Right, and so like why I, I like so the question I would have wondered at that moment if I would have been consulting there was what is it why is it that this is happening and why is this leader not talking to him about what is behind this because it is out of character and why aren't we having a conversation about what's really going on here? Um, right. And these are things that should be happening, especially with valuable team members. Right. Preci- precisely. So, and again, this was 15 years ago when I didn't know anything from anything. Uh, and I, and I've thought about this many times as I've come, as I've come along uh, looking for the additional lessons from it. It's one of those handful of things that I keep coming back to because I, I know there's more of a lesson there. And the more I keep asking, the more of a lesson I get because just, it, again, the whole thing just didn't make sense to me. And uh, the fact that I'm bringing it up again on this interview uh, speaks to how important it really is. So, uh, right. So let's say, let's go back a little bit and uh, let's say that you were uh, counseling somebody who is in this mode where they're working their 100 hours a week and they and they don't feel that they could possibly outsource because it all really does depend on them and you want to get them down to working five days a month or maybe even just five normal work days a week. I mean, let's just even go for that target, much less right. five days a month. And right. uh, they were starting from scratch. Aside from asking the important question of what is it that frustrates you and what is it that takes away your energy, because that's where we want to start in terms of figuring out where you leverage, where you outsource, what else would you guide them to do? Well, I would guide them to start thinking. I mean, one of the things that we really like to work on is this mindset around team um, because you can't – you have to decide what it is that you really want out of your business and out of your life. And if you have this idea that you have to do all the things and you're going to work 100 hours a week and all of that, and you're okay with that being the rest of your life, which if that's you, I think you're nuts. Um, because it, it isn't sustainable no matter how you look at it. Um, you have to really get your brain around, like, look at this, look at yourself doing this 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. You know, you have to take a step back and be really realistic with yourself about, is this possible? Like, it's not. And so, okay, given that it's not possible, we either give up the business or we figure out a different way. We start deciding about leveraging our business with team members. And right. that, um, and, and so that's a big thing. And I think you're right. There's a huge resistance for solopreneurs to bring on team. Um, you know, a lot of people do want just sort of virtual type team and thing like that. I will tell you that I'm not a fan of that for a lot of business um, owners because it's not the right situation for every business owner. But that's another thing that we talk about all the time in today's world is BAVA, but it may not be the right thing for you. So, um, right. You have to take a step back and say, what is the right thing? And, and you know, I'm really getting that. And then, okay, now um, how can we bring this person on and what is it going to free up for us that's going to enable us to actually engage in more profitability? Because when you can get rid of the things that suck the life out of you, your ability to make more money is exponentially higher. Right. Very true. Very true. And sometimes it is that one small thing that – sucks the life out of you. I mean, I've been in situations, and this is when I had the previous business that had a lot of small clients. It was that type of business. It had a lot of small clients. And you know how it is with the 80-20 rule, which is really like the 95-5 rule. There will always be these one or two that just seem to take up all the bandwidth 
And it gets to the point. I mean, I, we don't have enough time on this interview, but I've uh, spoken about this many, many times. I had that situation with just a couple clients. They were actually very small accounts, but they were just so draining. And it seemed like everything that went right for everybody else always seemed to go wrong with them. You, have you ever had that situation, Nicole, where, you know, you, you, you know, you do something with a client that seems to work for all the other clients, but it seems like with this one particular one, everything you do turns to dirt. It just never works. Been oh, there? certainly. I mean, I'm a lawyer. You know, my, my, my first business is being a lawyer. So certainly, you know, you're always yeah. going to have those nightmare clients. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Right, right. So, so that starts to take up the most of your time. And, uh, you know, it got to the point where I got so frustrated with where my life was. I got so, you know, just overwhelmed with the whole thing that I had forgotten to go out and buy groceries and this one morning, I'd eaten toothpaste for for breakfast, and uh, I'd had the system set up so that I could speak with my my team members through a separate email account that my clients didn't have access to, just so I could maybe get an hour of peace in the morning before I checked the regular email uh, and saw, well, let's see, what late night bombs did they drop on me this time? And it got to a point where, and I, and I tell this story because so many people have been inspired by it, and I'm hoping I can help some listeners today. It got to a point where between another one of these imaginary crises, you know, crisis to them, you know, really just I need to push a button to me. Uh, <laughs> and um, I had a moment. My accountants, my awesome accountants, uh, needed me to print out a form, sign it, and scan it back to him so that he could file something for me. Now, of course I'm going to do that because he takes – away something that drains my energy. So I want him to be fully supplied. He needs a signature. He gets a signature. Halfway through printing the piece of paper so I could have fixed my signature to it, the paper the, the printer announces that it's run out of ink. And I'm thinking, you had a sensor in you. You knew you were just about out of ink, and yet you printed half a sheet of paper and are now telling me that I'm out of ink. And besides, you wasted a piece of paper, and I eat toothpaste for breakfast? Uh, a year and a half later, when I moved out of that apartment into my, into my next level apartment, to my nicer apartment, we were still finding pieces of that printer scattered behind the furniture. My point yeah. in telling that story, it's the Smash Printer story. Many of our listeners have heard it because I've shared it many times. My point is that if you've gotten to that place, two things are going on. The first is you really need to leverage things a little bit better uh, because there's some things that are aggravating you and energetically destroying you. Maybe you need to hire somebody to do something. Maybe you need to fire a client, which turned out to be the solution in that case. Uh, but whatever it is, you need to do it. The second is if you're a business creator and you're the captain of your ship, nobody can tell you that you can't do it. So you can look at the situation. You can say, I can look down, and I can see the pieces of my printer scattered, scattered all over the office. And I can say, wow, something has gone seriously wrong that I just took my printer and dropped it on the floor five times. But I have the full power to take this on and implement immediate changes to make this better. What happens yeah. when you have a team environment? What happens when you have a team environment where the person finds himself frustrated, but the nature of the team will not let them implement those changes. 
Well, it's going to implode, right? I mean, so, or you have to have a structure for healthy conversation about it. I mean, it's one or the other. You know, it's just, the thing is, is that having a great team isn't simple. That's all there is to it. You have to put intention and effort and thought toward it. That's, it's really, it's really that simple. And it doesn't matter, you know, big corporations, they can afford probably to have team members that aren't showing up, batteries included. But entrepreneurs, we don't have that luxury. We don't have that luxury. Right. Right. That's, that's, that's very, that's very true. So, uh, I, as I say to anybody, you know, create for yourself an environment or place yourself in an environment as much as possible where when you see something that needs fixed, you have the power and the support and the resources to fix it. And if you have a team, you need to provide that to your team. Else you won't have a team much longer because even if they stay, they'll start, uh, they'll start working uh, nine to four with two hours for lunch. Yeah, so it's just um, you know, there's a lot there's a lot to it and it's not that simple, but there's always a way to make it possible. It can be done. And that's the good news. It's not like it, this is um an elusive goal that is not possible. It's totally possible. Right. Very true, very true. So, you know what? We're right near the uh, the top of the hour here. This has been a fantastic interview. I've really enjoyed this and as I think you've seen, this is something that really gets me fired up. Yes, and I'm glad. That's awesome. Yeah, these types of issues are the things that get me out of bed at 5 o'clock in the morning without an alarm clock, especially when there's a problem that needs solved. Uh, Just something about that motivates me. I I love beating on problems until they're solved. Uh, Maybe that's not the best metaphor, but you get the idea. So uh, you mentioned to me before we went on on the air here today, uh, Nicole, that you had a little something for us. So why don't you tell us about that? So if you are the type of person that's been listening to this and you're like, you know what, I do need a team, or I really need to figure out how to make my team be even better, then what I have for you is on my website, NicoleWhip.com, there is an eight-question quiz that will lead you through sort of what your one of your energy styles that will tell you a lot about where your energy comes from. But you probably already know this. So what it then does is it tells you, and here are, this is the energy that you need if this is the things that you need from somebody. And here are the things to beware of and the potential conflicts with that person. And then the others, and then there's a third style that will tell you, and if you need this instead, then this is the person, but here are the things to beware of. And so it gives you a ton of information to sort of start you on that journey of thinking about how to properly bring the right person in and what that sort of looks like and what potential roadblocks are going to be to that relationship, but that you need to get over in order to really have a very well-functioning team and a great business where you don't have to work your butt off. Right, right. Very true. So, uh Awesome. This has been a fantastic time. Uh, Nicole Whip. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, it's been, for me, an honor and an education. Well, thank you. And the same here. I really appreciate um, you having me, and I love the conversation. You bet. So uh, for everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. 
and on iTunes, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.